0: And, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, he gave his body and he shed his blood. And one of the things that God has commanded us to do is to share communion, right? That's where you have the wafer and you have the grape juice. And the whole point of communion is, is that you put yourself in remembrance of what Jesus did for you. And that's what it's about. It's about remembering the price he paid for you so that you could walk in the blessing of God. And so I encourage you in your households, as often as you want to, get yourself a cracker, get yourself some juice. If you don't have grape juice, just get water, get Coca-Cola, whatever you want. Just get something, right? And just sit down and put yourself in remembrance of what Jesus did for you. And then ask the Lord to forgive you for anything you've said and done. You know, it shouldn't just be Sunday mornings. You should take a shower on a daily basis, right? And so you need to keep your heart clean on a daily basis. Because every day we have opportunities to pick up offenses. Every day we have opportunities to get mad and angry and, you know, get bitter about things. But what you have to do is every day come before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm not going to allow the problems of the day to get in my heart Causing me to become sour or angry or bitter. Because if you let bitterness get into your heart, it'll shipwreck your faith. It'll destroy your faith. And you can't hang around bitter people. Look at somebody and say, don't hang around bitter people. Because bitter people, their bitterness will get into you. Like if if you attack my wife, right? And she comes home and tells me, this person attacked me her her attack becomes you attack me and now i'm angry too at the person and then we'll tell the kids can you believe what they did to me now the whole family's ready to fight then you go to work and you tell all your buddies at work and now you have this whole posse that you're that you're getting together to get revenge and that's not how god wants us to live god wants us to forgive he wants us to stay in peace Look at the person next to you and say, staying in peace. peace. Because the Bible says that you have to allow the peace of God to rule in your life, in your decision making. When you have peace, you can make decisions. You can make right decisions. You do not want to allow fear or anything else to get in the way of your decision making because your decisions have consequences. Is this correct? And so we want to keep our hearts clean. We want to keep our hearts pure so that we can hear from the Lord as to what He wants us to do. And the only way I can describe it is you can come to a place where you're live streaming heaven on the inside of you all the time. And you don't want to change that radio station. You don't want to change that channel. You want to stay connected to heaven. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them it's possible. You can be hooked up to heaven. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. So listen, we didn't do this earlier, but Pastor Melanie is here, and I wanted to get her up here to just come share a few words with us. Maybe preach the rest of the service. What do you guys think? Hallelujah. Come on, give her a big round of applause.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. such a joy to be here today. And... um, Typical Apostle Nick throw me in the deep end this morning. But I learned to swim, man. You got to learn to swim. And uh, we thank Jesus because he's the ultimate lifesaver. And so this morning uh, during worship, I was just saying, Lord, um, what do you want to say to the body through the body? Because we are a living organism. The church is a living organism. If you're in a dead church, you need to get out of it but this is a live church. It's a living church. And, uh, and living things tend to grow because healthy things grow. So you are in a living church. Praise the Lord. That means praise is alive. And I saw that this morning. It was epic to be here. During praise, I see it on live stream, but to be in the room was something else. And so I'm just so excited about what God is doing through Pure Church Ministries to Pastor Nick and through Pastor Misty, and just such a joy to be part of their journey walking alongside them. Greetings from my family and uh, the family at Access Church. I want to say thank you to this house for entrusting us and being part of the journey that God has called us and the vision that he laid on our hearts to plant a life-giving church in our city. Um, When we, um, and I shared my testimony with the ladies yesterday, but I was not wanting to be a pastor. (laughs) I was like, please do not call me that. I don't want to be that. All I know about it is the kids are messed up. They don't have money. They complain and everybody wants them to fix their problems. So I don't want to be that person. But you know, when God gets a hold of you and he gets a hold of your heart, he does something in you and he breaks your heart for what breaks his. And that's what started to happen with us. And the process began and then God said, get ready to plant a church, a life-giving church. You see, there's, a lot, there's lots of churches around. Uh, in our city, there's probably maybe over 150 churches, and we're not a very big city. But I want to ask how many life-giving churches? Because there are churches around that can be life-sucking churches. But we want to be life-giving churches. That means when people come into the room, they need to experience transformation. And transformation can only happen to the Holy Ghost. When the word of God is preached, it's an anointed word, it's seed. But unless the seed falls on good ground to bring a harvest in our lives, then it's not doing anything. That means our soil needs to be tilled and needs to be prepared for what God has for us. Because there's power in the word, but unless it's planted and it's watered by the Holy Spirit, it won't bear fruit. It won't bring a harvest. So how's the the quality of your soil this morning? Has the soil of your heart been tilled this morning to receive what God has for you this morning? And so when we planted the church, uh, we were so excited and God just gave us extreme favor. And I believe that favor flows through partnership. Favor flows through divine networking. And so God divinely networked us. And I mean, we met in 2005 in Florida, but God already saw ahead to 2021, when we would have a vision to plant a church and that this partnership would be, this covenant partnership would be a part of that. So God sees ahead. The Bible says that he's the alpha and the mega. That means he's the beginning and the end and everything in between he already knows. And so we just got to walk that through. And so when we um, phoned and said, hey, um, this is what God is saying, they were like, it's about time. Uh, (laughs) But uh, it was an incredible journey and... um, I have to share, there's so many testimonies to just planting the church, but um, when we were looking for a building, we knew that God didn't call us into the inner city, um, the central part where people would come from different communities, but God called us to a suburb, so like a specific um, neighborhood, I would say. And uh, when we went around looking for the space, we are like, okay, maybe we'll start in a, ch- in a school, um, maybe um, somebody's house. And these are the different things that are going through our head. And um, my husband and I walked past um, a strip, a plaza, um, and we are like, ah, that would be such a great building. You know, just so funny enough, like out of our reach. You know, this is like something like um, I'm trying to like relate that you could understand. Maybe like a Publix. You know, something like that. And it had been vacant for two years. It's a huge grocery store, and it's got 10 shops on it. And we're looking like, oh, that's a great place for a church. But, um, you know, we don't know if that will work for us. So this is like, so that's a great place for a church, but not with our means. And so we left, and we kept looking. And then we just made a call to a friend of ours who does um, leasing. And we said, we're looking for a building in the area. This is what we want to do. Can you find us a space? And he called us back and he's like, we got a great place for you. Like, okay, this is awesome. This was like so quick. And he says, you know, there's a grocery store in the area. Like, yes, we do. He's like, I know the owners of this place. Um, Let's go and speak to them. And we're like do you know how much a space that is and how expensive it's going to be? He's like, let's just go and speak to him. You're like, okay, well, you know when you do that and you're like, I'm going to do it, but, you know, what's the chances? But So anyway, myself and my husband got our presentation ready and doing all the forecasts and the research, so prepared to meet the owners of this building. We go, go to coffee with them and um, sit down and um, the sun was... Um, saved the father they're both greeks and they quite rich people (laughs) they own multiple centers in our city and other cities they own malls and um all he said to us was it's a funny statement but he says to us so you guys want to open a church is it like a hillsong type church (laughs) kind of we do want to open a church and we like and he's like oh That's great. You know, when I built that building, I knew a church is going to come there one day. And we were like, okay, great. This is going in our favor. (laughs) And now my husband's opening up his iPad. We're getting ready to do our presentation. And he starts talking about family. Don't you want some food? And what's happening in their business? And it was like about maybe 40 minutes. I'm like, when are we going to speak about us? When are we going to tell you about what we want to do and the vision you have? And he's like, don't worry. Here's my son. Take the keys to the building. Show them around. We'll work with you guys. Long story short, we have a massive building. They gave us at 25 percent of the market rate rent. They said to us, we want you in there. We will help you. Um, we have the space. Uh, we've got kids church. We've got aftercare now. I, I don't know the meterage here shirtle. I won't be able to convert it, but it's it's an amazing space. And every time people come to us, they say to us, this is only the favor of God. And that's all we can say is that it's the favor of God that has gone before us. And I say that to say this, when you say yes to God, he does the rest. He just wants your yes. And in your obedience, God unlocks the resources you need. What we're walking in and what we're doing is only to the glory of God. We get to partner with heaven to bring heaven to earth. To be part of transformation in the lives of children, youth, um, and, and just, you know, so many other people that come to the house. And we know that we are called as a house to bring restoration. To bring those that have been disillusioned with the gospel, those that have been hurt by the church, and those that don't know Jesus to come into the glorious light of his kingdom. And so it's been an amazing journey. We'll be celebrating two years in July. And, um, and, and I want to say that your seed as pure church has brought a great harvest into our city. And so this is such an amazing thing that God does. You know, um, the Bible talks about us sowing and being part in reaching the nations. And we think, well, I got to get on a plane to actually reach that nation. (laughs) But God has given you the seed. You don't have to take the plane. You got to just sow the seed. And so even while you're here in Fort Pierce, Florida, you're already touching nations. (laughs) You're touching South Africa. You're touching Kenya. And God's going to open so much more in the the continent for you. But you are already a world changer because you're changing lives in those cities already. So God bless you for your seed as you sow into this house and and partner with your pastors to do kingdom shaking. But this is a scripture that I got through worship uh, for this house. And it was Ephesians 2 verse 10. NLT says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Two things I want to speak into there. First, We are God's masterpiece. The one version says that we are his workmanship. And this is what the dictionary defines the word Workmanship, as it says, the degree of skill with which a product is made or a job done. That means there is something that God has is doing in us. God has created a workmanship. That means there's skill that has been put into creating you. You're not just something, no, you're workmanship. There's been time that's put, there's been skill that's put to craft you into what God has. But there's purpose behind that workmanship. Sure, 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 sure. Technology. Okay. God's masterpiece, God's workmanship. For what? For works, the Bible says, for good things he has planned for us long ago. So there's some good things that God has already laid for you to walk in, that God has planned already for you to do. But workmanship means that there's some stuff that's got to get shaped. <laughs> it was a raw material and then it got transformed into something that God wanted to be. But this is where some of us don't like the cutting and the shaping and the pressing. <laughs> Isaiah 64, 8 says, and yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We all are formed by your hand. Now, have you ever had an opportunity to look at, into the making of pottery? You know that the process is, um, is not easy at the beginning, You have the picture of what the end product looks like, you wanna do a a wonderful masterpiece of a vase and whatever that may look like. But the beginning process of taking the block of clay to what it needs to ultimately be is never an easy process. Because the clay has gotta get pressed and they put it onto a spinning wheel, and it's got to get beat up. It gets slapped up and down uh, alongside on that wheel. And then there's some water that's added, and it becomes so much, it has to get pliable in the potter's hand. But some of us don't want to be on the spinning wheel, we just want to be the end product. <laughs> but you see, the end product starts from something, and it's the raw material. But the process from getting from the raw material to that vase, to that pot, whatever that needs to be, what God wants, that workmanship, He's talking, is the process. And the process is the breaking, it's the kneading in, it's the shaping. And sometimes, even as the potter's got his hands and he's trying to shape this block into something, it gets off course, it doesn't like it, it gets offended. It says, this is too hard. I need to get off the wheel. But if we keep our eyes focused on the end, because he says it's good works. We are his workmanship. He is the potter. We are the clay. It's a safe place. But the workmanship that he is creating ultimately has works to do. That means you have a work to do. I have a work to do. I can't do your stuff. <laughs> so we should never be jealous about each other because it's not competition. We complement each other. <laughs> because your stuff has your name on it. I can't do it. Because God has created us uniquely to fulfill that plan, that works that he has. But unless we allow ourselves to go through the process so that we can become that workmanship to walk out the good works that he has planned ahead. See, when I looked at this church this morning, I saw this picture of silos full of seed. And seed is not only just the money, but it's time, treasure, and talent. But that seed doesn't really bear anything in the silo. It's only when that seed is taken out of the silo and placed into the ground will it bear something. You are full of seed, but what are you doing with the seed that's in you? What are the works that you're sowing into? What are you sowing your time into? What are you sowing your talent into? What are you sowing your treasure into? Because God has these great works for you. It's an amazing time in the church as you grow. You've grown so much already. But there's an acceleration that will be coming to the house. And it's even yesterday as we just spoke to the ladies, I believe even as they t- start to take their place and arise, there's, another, there's a, the next generation that we talk about in our midst. But if we want to see transformation in our nation, it starts as we start to sow our lives into the next generation. So let's ask the Holy Spirit what are the great works that he has for us individually? So together, we can shake the nations. Amen? Isn't <laughs> Nick.
0: <laughs> Buy a donkey? Isn't that great? All the way from the land of the Zulu. <laughs> so, uh, man, you're getting all kinds of messages today, right? double word again. We had a double word Sunday a couple of weeks ago. That's when Pastor Mike and Selena weren't here. That's right, right? That's what happened. Then I preached the whole offering message. That was the whole message and then we went into another one. So uh, look at the person next to you and tell him we're in a season, a year of divine increase. Say it again. Say divine increase. Say not just in one area, but every side. Say, so you're going to experience victory in every area of your life. Say, so it's available. God wants to do it. But you've got to get with a program. Right? What's really, really important is that you are part of a ministry or a church where you have church leadership that actually hear from God. I think there should be some applause or something. Something, something over there. Just give me something. Because if you can't hear from heaven, right? How are you going to bring what God is saying to the body today? To navigate where you are today. What does God want to do in this house today? And you need to be hooked up to heaven to hear from the Lord. Can we get an amen? Amen. And so, uh, bye guys. See you later. And so... We want to get hooked up to heaven. You want to hear what the Lord is saying. And so the Lord spoke to me uh, coming into this year, and he gave us Deuteronomy chapter 6. And Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 says, These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. Look at someone and tell them, You got to obey them. It's not good enough to hear them. You got to obey them, you got, got to do them. And then he says, and you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you, look at someone telling them, if you obey all these decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Say wholeheartedly. Say with all my heart. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your foreheads as a reminder. Write them on your doorpost. That means you can graffiti your doors at home. And on your gates. We haven't done that yet. That's next level. I'm going to have to get some welder to do some commands on the gates that we build for here at the church. So that when you hook up to the driveway, you're already seeing, you know, the commands of God right on your gate every time you come home. Then it says here in verse 10, The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land He swore to give you, say, the promises that the Lord has made me. He will bring me into them. Right? So it's the exact same thing that applies. God made a promise to them, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God has made us promises, and we're in a new covenant with better promises. And so the promises of God you're going to enter into. But this is what it says. It says, where you're going, you're going to find a large, prosperous cities that you did not build. Houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig. And you will eat from vineyards and olive trees, say businesses, that you did not plant. And when you have eaten, you'll fill in the land. Be careful. Not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord your God and serve Him only. And so here God has given us this word for the year. And I believe it's not just for the year. This is a foundation that's going to carry us for the next 10, 15 years. Because I believe that what God is doing in this year is going to bring increase to our lives every year moving forward. At the same time the Lord gave me this, the Lord also showed me in a vision that it was time for us to launch the kingdom business arm in the church. And when we had come back from South Africa, Pastor Mike and Selena had come back because we went over there. When they came back, the Lord spoke to me because I saw the king, I saw the business arm functioning in the church. What does the business in the church look like? I thought we're supposed to separate business from the church. I thought we're supposed to separate government from the church. No. God has to be the foundation of Everything. If God is not in the middle of it, then it's dead works. Can we get an amen? And the world wants to separate God out of everything because they don't want to be held accountable to the Word of God. We can't pull God out of school and expect people not to get shot up in our schools. You can't pull God out of your life and expect your life to be all hunky-dory. Look at the person next to you and say, you can't live wrong and die right. Your life without God is dead. Our nation without God, how is that going to work for us? Look at somebody and say, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And man, is the enemy doing a work in the nation of America, dividing the people with all kinds of things? Can we get an amen? And we got to end the division. But it starts with us. It starts with the division in your heart towards God. It starts with the division in your heart towards your spouse, towards your brothers and sisters, towards your family members. I bet you if I asked you to raise your hands in here today, how many of you have disgruntled family members that you haven't spoken to in a minute? And I'm sure, I didn't say put your hand up. (laughs) That's not good. Don't be like putting your underwear out for everybody to see here today. I'm not trying to call you out. I'm just trying to make a point that we've got some unresolved issues. And if we can't love our family, how are we going to love the world? It starts in your house first. Go make it right. I want to change America. You can't even handle your own household. Get along with your spouse first. Like, yeah, I'm a sinner. I'm so glad that you're honest. Just be truthful. Pastor Selena respects you this morning. No fake Christians. I was going to say something there, but I didn't. I held back. So listen. You know. Say why they're laughing. Just because they're happy, okay? They're not sad. We, we had a disgruntled uh, staff member uh, leave our, our uh, business the other day. You know, and, you know, when you don't do your job and you don't do things right, and then you get let go, that's on you. But Whatever. I don't remember. I'm just talking stories, stuff that happens, you know? Then they blame the owner. And then they go and they just broadcast how bad you are to everyone. And you didn't do anything wrong. And then they come into the center and then they call you names. I think it's really, really funny when people say, I thought you guys were Christians. So if you're not going to pay your bill for childcare, stealing from the company, and then we call you out on it, and then you say, I thought you were Christians. How does that work? You go to the grocery store and you buy products and then you walk out and you say, well, I thought you were Christians. You go have a restaurant, a Christian restaurant, you go eat their food and then you walk out and say, oh, I thought you were Christians. You mean I got to pay for it? You got to pay for everything. Thief. So anyway, they they had some choice words for our youth pastor and his wife and so, you know. I had to compose myself. You want to go tear people's heads off and make them beg for mercy. Look at the person next to you and say, that's not, that's not the way. So you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as you do yourself. And so we've got to obey the commands of God. It doesn't matter what everybody else does, right? Like I said earlier, we have tons of opportunity to get mad and try to get revenge, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, you know. You want to give people a piece of your mind, and that never works out good for you, right? Look at the person next to you say, don't do that. It's not going to work out good for you. So let's read the commands of God. I think it's important that we read the commands of God. What do you think? Let's go to the book of Exodus, and I want to read the commands God gave to Moses, right? In Exodus chapter 19, verse 16, it says, On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed, and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long blast from a ram's horn, and all the people trembled. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God. Look at somebody and tell them, Moses led the Israelites out to personally meet with God. And they stood at the front of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. Imagine a mountain, like a mountain. And suddenly a cloud of fire comes down and settles on the mountain. And then the earth begins to shake. And thunder and lightning is flashing. They'd be like, hey Jesus, what's up, bro? The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick hill, and the whole mountain shook violently. At the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder. Moses spoke, and God thundered his reply. And the Lord came down on the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses climbed the mountain. Then the Lord God told Moses, go back down and warn the people, do not break through the boundaries to see the Lord, or they will die. So it's like he set a boundary around that mountain. He said, you cross the boundary line, I'm going to kill you. Oh, hello, Jesus. How's it going today, mate? <laughs> Do you know the God we serve? It says here, even the priests who regularly come near to the Lord must purify themselves so the Lord does not break out and destroy them. But the Lord but, the, but Lord, Moses protested, the people cannot come to Mount Sinai. You already warned us. You told me, mark off a boundary all around the mountain to set it apart as holy. But the Lord said, go down and bring Aaron back up with you. In the meantime, do not let the priests or the people break through and approach the Lord, or he will break out and destroy them. So Moses went down to the people and told them what the Lord had said. Chapter 20, verse 1. Then God gave the people all these instructions. So this came from the mouth of God. Look at the person next to you and say, God spoke directly to the people. These are the laws that God gave directly to the people. And he said, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of slavery. You must not have any other God but me. Look at somebody and say the first commandment. One God only. And that's him. Amen. Then he said, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affections for any other gods. Then in verse 7, they said, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Verse 8, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days a week to do your ordinary work, but on the seventh day, the seventh day, Sabbath day is a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Verse 12, honor your mother and father. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. We need some honor and respect for our parents. Can we get an Amen. I see the way kids are treating their parents nowadays and it's like very dishonoring and very disrespectful. And if our kids cannot respect parental authority, they will not respect any other authority. Is this true? Then it goes on. In verse 13 says you must not murder. I think that's a good one. Wouldn't you say? Verse 14, you must not commit adultery. Verse 15, you must not steal. Verse 16, you must not testify falsely against your neighbors. It means don't lie about your neighbors and get them into trouble. So if you're having an issue with your spouse, don't call DCF on them and say they did something that they didn't do. Don't call the police and say they beat me and they never touched you. Anyway, just moving right along. 17, you must not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, male or female servants, or donkey, or anything, that's their car. That was the mode of transportation. Do not covet your neighbor's car. Can we get an amen? Or their bicycle, whatever. Or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. And when people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen. But don't let God speak directly to us, or we will die. And family, here's what I want to say to you, is that God wants to talk to you directly. God does not want anybody as a mediator, a man in between your relationship with Him. Say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way to the Father. He made the way for us to have a relationship with God. Amen? Amen. And so there might be a season where you need a minister to help you learn, but there should come a day where you are mature in the things of God, where you hear the voice of God for yourself and you learn to obey Him. Can we get an amen? Pastor Melanie was talking about there is seed on the inside of you. There's a workmanship that needs to be done in your life to prepare you for the work that God has for you. Can we get an amen? and that's what this house is for. It's to prepare you. It's to raise you. It's to equip you so that you could do the work of ministry, the good works that God has prepared for you before the foundation of the world. And we started the beginning of this year saying, this is the year where we're going to get our foundations right. We're going to make sure we have everything in order. We're going to obey the commands, the decrees of the Lord, our God. We're going to make sure our lives are right with the Lord so that when the Lord speaks to us, we're ready to move and obey Him. Can we get an amen? Because it's in your obedience to the Word of God that you're going to see the blessing of God. When Pastor Melanie was sharing, she shared it with the ladies yesterday and even today, this morning, she said, I didn't want to start a church. I did not want to be called a pastor. I saw the need that was out there, but not me, God. Raise up somebody else to do it. The very thing that you see needs to be fixed. God wants you to fix it. Can we get an amen? He doesn't need you to point to somebody else to get the job done. If you see the need, then you're ready to do it with God's help. Say, so use me, Jesus, any way you want to. I belong to you. Shape me, make me, mold me, prepare me to do the good works, to be a blessing to other people. That's what this whole thing's about. You are blessed to be a blessing. And you know, what? when you lay down your life to serve other people and be a blessing to them, man, they thank God for it. Because it's very rare where you see somebody do something for you just out of the kindness of their heart. Look at the person next to you and say this, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Find somebody else, say this week, I'm going to do unto others the way that I want them to do to me. So when you walk into somebody, you know, and you see their lives, you just put yourself in their position and say, if I was in their shoes, what would I want somebody to do for me? And then treat them that way. Can we get an amen? Amen. Say the golden rule. rule. And so these are the commands that God gave to to Israel. Go over to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. We're not living in the old covenant. We're living in the new covenant. Say the new covenant. And so we're going to live by what God wants us to live by. And hear Jesus' words, the Bible in red. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 says, Do not misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. And I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear. Has heaven and earth disappeared? Not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. Verse 19. So if you, say if you, you. ignore the least of these commandments and teach others to do the same, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Look at the person next to you and tell them, I'm great in the kingdom because I live by the laws. And I teach my children the laws. And I teach people at work the laws. Because I abide by the law of God. I'm a law-abiding citizen. (laughs) Verse 20. Jesus speaking. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So here Jesus comes along and he says... These are the laws. I didn't come to do away with these laws. He actually fulfilled the laws. He gave you the power to live on a deeper level than that. Look at the person next to say, We're about to get deep. Brace yourself. This might hurt a little bit, but you're gonna be okay. Then Jesus goes and he says, You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. Is that one of the things that were in the Ten Commandments? You must not murder? Well, this is what Jesus says. He says, but I say to you, if you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in the danger of the fires of hell. Just give me the do not murder thing. Now, Jesus, you're taking it to a whole nother level. You're telling me if I call someone an idiot and I curse them, I'm going to hell? Look at the person next to you say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor, not call them an idiot, not curse them, but pray for them. Who, who wants to obey the laws of God? Who wants to follow in the words and the teachings of Jesus? I love Jesus. Jesus said, you, you say you love me, but why don't you obey me? Moving right along. Touch a person next to you, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. Verse 23. So if you're presenting a sacrifice, so if you're bringing your gift to the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice at the altar. Go be reconciled to that person and then come offer your sacrifice to God. Verse 27. Verse 27. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. Was that one of the Ten Commandments? It was in there. But I say, Jesus speaking, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So you haven't done the physical act of committing adultery. You actually just thought it in your heart and Jesus says, I see it. You've already committed it. You've already done it. Look at the person next to you and say, this might sound strange. But in heaven, things move by thought. God knows your thoughts. God knows the hearts. Man looks at the outside, but God looks at the intention of the hearts. Look at somebody and say, you cannot escape the eyes of the Lord. He knows your hearts. You can hide it from people, but you cannot hide it from God. Can we get an amen? Amen. And so the Lord takes it to another another level. It says it's not just about not doing it on the outside. God wants you to clean up the inside. So we've got to get the inside clean. Say clean hands. hands. Pure hearts. hearts. Go to uh, Romans chapter 13 verse 8. See what that says. In verse 8 it says, Owe nothing to anyone except your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandment says you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up into one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Verse 10. Because love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of the law. So the whole Ten Commandments, everything that's in the Ten Commandments is summed up into one command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What does that mean? That means I only have one God. That means I don't create graven images. I don't worship idols or false gods. That means I don't misuse the name of the Lord. That means I keep the Sabbath holy and I take a day to honor the Lord. Can we get an amen? It also means that I'm going to honor my mother and father. So why? So that I may have a long and satisfying life. Every time you bless your parents, you get an extension to your life. How about that? If you dishonor them, maybe you would cut some off your life. Mm, think about it. Every time you're getting ready to tell your mother. Just think about that scripture. You're going to lose days of your life. Verse 11, this is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. That's when Jesus comes to take the church. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothing. Say that i got to remove dark deeds, evil deeds like dirty clothing. You don't want to wear dirty clothing, do you? And so we got to get rid of dirty, dark deeds. It says, And put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Do not participate in the darkness of wild parties, drunkenness, sexual promiscuity, immoral living, quarreling, jealousy. Let me rewind. Quarreling jealousy. Let me say it one more time. Quarreling. Look at somebody and say, when you fight with other people, just because you like fighting, that's a dirty deed that you got to strip from your life. Say, jealousy is dirty. You got to get rid of it from your life. Instead, verse 14 says, instead of being jealous and angry and Sexually immoral and being drunk. He said, instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, so I've got to clothe myself with His presence. Hallelujah. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge in your evil desires. Amen. And so here, Jesus is giving us clear instruction. I know we don't live in the Old Covenant and we don't live by the laws of Moses, but God is saying and He's making it very clear that when we walk in love, we fulfill the laws of God. Jesus is preaching this. Jesus, God has not done away with His laws, family. His laws stand. Amen? And so when we walk in love, it's the one commandment that sums everything up. When we walk in love, then we're pleasing to God. And the Bible says that our faith is established on love. Your faith only begins to work when you walk in love. And Hebrews 11, 6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so if we're not walking our love in love, our faith isn't working. And if your faith isn't working, you're not being pleasing to God. Do you see how important keeping the commands of God is? Loving God by obeying His commands and loving people by not doing things to hurt them or harm them in any way. And Jesus made this statement. He said, the greatest love that you can show is to lay down your life for somebody else. That means you have to be willing to lay down your life and use your gifts and talents and abilities that God has given you to be a blessing to the people around you. Look at the person next to you and say, you have been blessed to be a blessing. And family, we got to get out of the mindset of saying, uh, what are you going to do to bless me? How are you going to serve me? How are you going to make my day better? What have you done for me lately? What have you done? No, what have you done for other people lately? That's what Jesus wants to know. Because greater love has no man than this, and he who lays down his life for his friends. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I mean, those are like golden pearl principles right there. And I believe we can all do better at that, wouldn't you say? Hallelujah. I want everybody to stand with me this morning. We're going to get better, amen? Now, as we're reading the Bible, we're reading that there's areas in our life where we need improvement. Who can say, you know what, I need some improvement in my life? And God wants to help you. God doesn't expect you to get better all by yourself. My wife and I talk about this analogy all the time. We say, you know, Uh, You don't get clean before you get into the shower, do you? No, you get into the shower to get clean. And a lot of people say, well, I'm going to start going to church and I'm going to start serving the Lord when I get my act together. And really, that'll never happen because you can't get your act together without God. Amen? And so what God wants you to do is He wants you to recognize that you need His help. And you realize that you're not living to the standard that God has for your life. And admitting that is huge. That's, that's humility. Just like when I was talking earlier and I was just saying, hey, does anybody have family members? And then everybody stuck their hand up. They they recognize that there's an area in their life where things aren't the way God intends for it to be. And you have to recognize the area in your life where it's out of whack with what God's commands are. And then you got to say to yourself, I fear God more than anything else. Even my own selfish desires, I want to be pleasing to God, so I'm going to do it God's way. And that's a decision each and every person has to make. But you're going to stand before the Lord one day, and you're going to give an account for your life. And this is a dangerous place to be, because now you know the truth. You can't say, well, Lord, I didn't know. No, on the 20th of June, is that the day today? 21st of June, July, May. On the 21st of May, whatever day it is, you heard me tell you, you got to get your life right with the Lord. And you can't go to God and say, I didn't know. No, He's going to rewind the tape and He's going to show you were in that building and I had my man tell you what's going on. And there is no escaping. And so I want to encourage you today. Don't walk out of here with things that are that that are out of line with God. God's already touching your heart and saying, you know what, you got to deal with this. You already know the things you got to deal with. You don't need me to tell you. But why are you waiting to deal with those things? Why are you procrastinating? If you know that it's wrong, why are you keep doing it? And you gotta you gotta do everything in your power to break that thing that's controlling you and keeping you out of God's presence. And if you'll make a decision to run to God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, the enemy that's trying to keep you separated from God, God's jealous fire will come and destroy the works of the enemy and set you free. And I'll tell you, there's nothing like being free. Free, like Pastor Selena was talking earlier, I can go to a wedding and not have to get drunk. Uh, you know, I don't have to drink a bottle of wine to be nice to my spouse. I don't have to get drunk to, to enjoy myself socially. I don't have to run to the medicine cabinet every day just to deal with the thoughts in my mind. Listen, you can manage your issues or you can have God deliver you from those things. Can we get an Amen and it's time you make a decision that God says who he, he, he is who he says he is, and that Jesus is a savior, he's a deliverer, he's a healer, he's the one that will come through. If you will cry out to God and you'll mean business with God, God will come and do a work in your life, and he'll set you free, and you'll never, ever be the same again. Can we get an amen? I don't care what addiction you have. I don't care what bondage you have. I don't care what's happened in the past. The blood of Jesus will wash and cleanse you. I don't care what guilty stain of sin you keep remembering, feeling ashamed about. The blood of Jesus will wash that out of you like it happened to another person. And the guilt that you carry will go. The condemnation that you carry will go. The judgment that you have will go from you. And you'll have peace in your heart because you know your life is right with God. Can we get an amen? Amen. But I tell you what, the first step is saying, I need Jesus. I need God in my life. And when you make a decision to accept Christ into your life and you say, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to follow his teachings. I'm going to put my life in his hands. I'm going to trust him to take what's broken, what's messed up and turn it around for his goodness and his glory. He'll take you. He'll shape you. He'll make you. He'll mold you and he'll use you. And I'll tell you there's nothing greater than being used by the Lord. You up my eyes to so much more. I saw the, the you came down and-